from Acts, the 21st chapter. We'll begin reading in verse number 1 and read through verse number 14. I apologize if I seem... The thoughts don't exactly flow. If they didn't this morning or if I was going too fast for you this morning, um, I've had a cold and it's just got my head just spinning around and around. Um, and it's hard to, to concentrate and hard to think. So um, pray the Lord help me this morning to be able to speak to you. Acts chapter 21, beginning in verse number 1, And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Coos, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence unto Patera. And finding a ship sailing over unto Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed unto, uh, into Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unlaid her burden. Um, this ship had more of a burden than it thought, didn't it? Um, had a man upon it, Paul, who had a great burden great burden for God's people wherever he found them, great burden to do the will of God, whatever that will might be. Verse number four, even, even where the ship landed, I mean, you see this man going forth, and in verse number four, he found disciples, even there where the ship landed. It says, we tarried there seven days who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when he had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way. And they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. Now, <clears throat> it's not the message this morning, but I, I can't pass over this without saying something. You know, we were in chapter number 20. We saw in verse 36 that they all accompanied Paul and they knelt down and prayed with him and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Um, probably the person who comes to mind in regards to this that I'm thinking of more than anybody else is Brother Johnny Carter. Um, anytime you part company with Brother Johnny, you can expect that he's going to pray with you before you go. And um, ask the Lord to be with you and ask the Lord to bless you. And we certainly do that, don't we? I mean, where did we come into this uh, sort of thing of praying before we depart? Well, here. I mean, why do we do that? Why should we, what should be upon our thoughts and upon our hearts and upon our lips as I pray, or as I may ask one of you other men to pray whenever we part company on a Sunday or at the close of a service before we go back to fellowship and eat and we're going to be leaving we know some of us are not even going to be able to stay to eat going to be leaving even before we eat what should be up on our hearts and minds it is the welfare of our brethren and the week that is to come and the things that we're going to face I mean, Paul, these people knew what Paul was going to be facing they were trying to persuade him otherwise to keep him from going but Paul knew what was set before him. 
And I think in a sense it's like our Lord when we read that He set His face like a flint. You know, He wasn't going to, to move. He wasn't going to let anything deter Him from that which He was, had been sent to accomplish. That which He had been sent to do. He had been sent to die for us. He was not going to let anything deter Him from that. He wasn't going to let anything um, cause Him to get off course. And I think Paul, in a sense, is really kind of in this same sort of a, um, a mind frame. And we might even say a heart frame, more than a mind frame and a mindset. His heart was set upon doing that which God would have him to do. But um, I think it's worthy of note as we read these verses and we see how the disciples, even in this small uh, section of scripture between the last verses in chapter 20 and what we see here in the beginning of verse number or chapter number 21 in these verses that when they departed that they prayed for one another um, I know that, that we understand that but we need to set our minds upon that and think about that think about what it is that we're doing what is we ought to be doing we ought to be praying for one another throughout the week certainly but um, we see them doing this as they as they departed. Verse number six, and when we had taken our leave one of another, we took ship, and they returned home again. They went to do what God had given them to do, and Paul went to do what God had given him to do. The camps come to mind too. I've heard Brother Conrad say lots of times when they first had those camps and started having those meetings that he just couldn't bear to see people. And you, y'all probably heard him say the same thing. Uh, I've heard him say it in, in numerous different messages, and I've heard him say it in person, that, that he just couldn't stand to see people leave. He'd go out in the woods and hide until everybody was gone. And he confessed on a tape that I just listened to recently that he waits until nobody's looking whenever he's at a meeting to leave because he doesn't like to say, doesn't want to part company he wants to stay and uh, you know there was something of this sense here when you see those people weeping in, in chapter 20 and and Paul just had to tear himself away from them you know sorrowing most of all verse 38 says for the words which he spake they should see his face no more he had to tear himself away we we do in a sense have to tear ourselves away when we go to Arkansas and go to the camp up there we go to Bentley because, I mean, it's such enjoyable company and such an enjoyable time to come aside just for the preaching of the Word of God and to be instructed by the Lord and to sing praises unto Him and have, you know, a hundred people lifting up their voices at once. I mean, it's incredible to be in the midst of, of that and all the people being there and praying and seeking the Lord to speak to them. Um, it's hard to leave. A lot of times we're some of the last ones to leave uh, unless we have to leave early. In, in those particular times. We'll even stay and help clean up just to be with the people a little bit longer. Verse 7 says, And when we had finished our course from Tyre, we came to... I'm not sure how to say that. Um, anybody know? Anybody can pronounce that? No? Come on, you college graduates. Somebody want to help me out here? Ptolemus? I don't know. We'll just call it that. And saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. You see Paul going these places and, and, and just abiding with these people a short amount of time knowing he's not going to see them ever again. And the next day we were, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist which was one of the seven 
and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and break mine heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. Let's pray. John, would you pray for us, ask the Lord to be with us, speak to us today? Amen. You may be seated. No, I will not. That's what Rebecca told me this morning. I'm picking on her. I didn't say anything to her. She walked back there in the tape room and, and she said, no. I'm like, what? I'm not going to play the piano. I said, well, that's okay. You know, I wasn't even asking you to. And then later on, Mom and I were standing back there. She walked in there again. She said, no. I said, what? And she said, you were looking at me. Well, you walked into the room. I was looking at you. What's wrong with that? And she said, I figured you were going to ask me to play the piano. I said, no, I wasn't going to ask you that. I was looking at you because you walked into the room. I asked her, I said, you feeling guilty about not playing? Here's my point. Not that Rebecca has to. I'm not trying to shame her into playing the piano. If that's the Lord's will that you do that, then you're going to have to change the way that you think about playing the piano. You're going to have to change from the mindset of I'm embarrassed to get up there and play or, because I would be, because I can't play. I'm embarrassed to get up there and play or um, I'm afraid I'm going to mess up. Any of those types of things, we have to get those things out of our mind and don't let those things rule us because that's, for the Christian, that's what the flesh is going to do in any kind of given situation. I'm not just talking about playing the piano now. If we're being asked to do what Paul is being told is going to happen to him, then we can't have the mindset that, no, I don't want to do that. And there's a lot of times that the Lord asks us to do things, shows us things that He wants us to do, and our flesh says, whoa, wait a second, that's not very enjoyable I don't think that I would have any fun doing that. I don't want to be ridiculed. I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want to be thought bad of by somebody. I don't want to stick out, um, you know, like a sore thumb. I don't want to be set apart amongst from the crowd. I want to fit in. I want to blend in with people. I want to get along with everybody. Brother J.D. telling me about his job last week and about some things that he saw that just weren't, um, you know, what he thought ought to be happening. 
And so he told me, he said, I'm thinking about leaving, finding another job. And, <clears throat> well, what if the next job the Lord sends him to, he's not making as much money? And he said, no, I think uh, the flesh says, no, I think I'll just stay right here. Money here is pretty good. And, you know, I really, I don't have to do a whole lot. And he told me, well, that's one of the things he has a problem with. And you imagine that, a person have a problem with somebody paying them and they just don't feel like that they're, that they're earning their keep. That's not most people I work with. Most people I work with, if they can get out of it. You know, we get these people called expedites that come in and they get to be seen right away. And most everybody's trying to shove that off on somebody else. I don't see anybody saying, hey, I'll do it. I don't have anything to do. You know, don't see anybody like that. But our flesh likes to say, no, that's not for me. But our hearts that have been filled with the love that's been shed abroad in them by God, for Him, for our Lord, that part of us wrestles with the flesh and says, no, I'm going to do the thing that pleases God, no matter what it costs me. Now, there's another factor that needs to be brought into that, and that's God's grace, because we need God's grace to be able to do things that are difficult for us. We need God's grace to be able to do things that are beyond us, that we're not able to do. Yesterday we went to a wedding and there were a bunch of people at the reception that just started right off, just started, you know, drinking. And I told Rebecca when we left, we left before things got out of hand. We just stayed long enough to eat and we were gone. I told Rebecca, I said, the only difference between us and those people, or between your dad, I said, and your mom and those people, is the us I was referring to. It's the only difference between us and those people is God's grace. Apart from God's grace and His salvation, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through His opening our eyes and our hearts and giving us a new heart and a desire to serve and honor Him, I said, there's not any difference between us and them. I would be saying, no, I will not, if it were not for God's grace. And the no, I will not would prevail over the yes, I desire to do, if it were not for God's grace. As I was thinking about, because really we're focusing on verse number 14, who we're going to be looking at. I, I couldn't, I tried to stop somewhere in between 1 and 14 and prepare a message on something else. But the Lord just didn't allow me to do that and wouldn't let me settle upon anything else but verse number 14. Now, next week he may let me go back and pick something up. I don't know. But I know for today, this is the only place that I could settle. And... My thoughts couldn't help but think about Brother Johnny Carter. Because here we're talking about in verse number 14, we're told he would not be persuaded, but said the will of the Lord be done. And we want to talk, start talking about thinking about the will of God, talking about the will of God. You know, it wasn't too many years ago, I guess Brother Johnny came and preached to us a message. And I mentioned it to somebody recently because these things were already on my mind or somebody mentioned it to me. I can't remember if I said it or if they said it. But... Brother Johnny preached a message to us on God's will, Satan's will, and man's will. I don't know if y'all remember that or not. I, I wish we could remember everything that we hear. I wanted to be able to go back and listen to that message this morning, um, but I didn't have time to do so. I'm, in fact, I've got it turned sideways back there in the rack because I was going to walk to the house and get a tape player and be able to listen to it 
because there's not a tape player here that I can listen to it on. Um, we've got CDs and stuff now. <laughs> it seems like we don't, we've lost the equipment for that, uh, or at least headphones to be able to use the tape player. But anyway, he brought that message on the will of God, the will of man, and the will of the devil. And I heard Brother Conrad say recently, and I mentioned this to mentioned this to you, Brother John, the other night. We were Wednesday night when we were uh, riding over here. There was a time when there was only one will in the universe. And that was God's will. Then Satan fell. Then there was the devil's will. And then man was corrupted. Then there was man's will. So we, we have these wills that exist around us. We have the will of man, the will of men around us. We certainly could look at in Paul's situation. The Jews desired to kill him. They wanted to be rid of him. He used to be one of them. He used to be on their side. But he changed teams. He changed sides. And he wouldn't play with them anymore. And so he, they wanted to be rid of him. So they had man's will. And you have that in the Psalms there where the, the kings of the earth you know, rise up together and take counsel together. That they, they cast our cords off from them. That says the Lord will hold him in derision. So you have man's will, but here's the Lord saying, no, that's not going to accomplish my purpose. That's not going to please me. That's not going to bring about what I have designed and desired to do. And therefore, you're not going to do it. So you have man's will and you have God's will. Then you've got, of course, Satan's will. Satan was right in there with the Jews provoking them. You know, just, you know prodding them on to kill Paul. He was ready to be done with that man. That man had done him enough disservice. He was once his servant, but no longer. Now he was a servant of the Lord, doing the Lord's will, and he wanted to be rid of him. So we have these wills that exist around us, and the will of man apart from God will not produce the goodness of God, will not produce the purpose of God, and will not be performed. It's not going to happen. If God's not in it, if it will not if it will not accomplish God's purpose, then it's not going to come to pass, regardless of whether man wills it or not. Because even though there's three wills in the universe now where there, ought, where there once was just one and there ought to be just one, that one is still greater than the others. God is sovereign. God's will, that's what Brother Johnny told us in the end, talking about those wills. He said, God's will will be done. Man's will sometimes will be done. Satan's will sometimes will be done. But God's will will always be done. Nothing can thwart the purpose and the will of God. His will will be done. What He designs to do will be accomplished. We know the will of the natural man, apart from the grace of God, exists only to do evil continually. We know that the will of the spiritual man, of the awakened soul, we know that the desire, deep down, the foundation of all that we do, whether we eat or we drink or whatsoever we do, we want to do the glory of God. We want to do God's will. I think sometimes we might think that there's something that is the will of God that we should do, and we might be mistaken. We can be wrong about that ourselves. And that 
in itself God may not allow to happen either. But the flesh, we've already talked about, in the spiritual man resists, wants to have its own way, but the awakened soul struggles and resists the flesh and fights against it to do the will of God. Of course, Satan, you know, he thinks that he's only doing his will, but in the end, you know, he's just He's just being used of God. He's just a tool. He's just an instrument. And that's the way that we ought to look at any, any other will outside of God's will. Because I say outside of God's will even though it's purposing or, or it's accomplishing God's purpose. Any will outside of God's. Even though it's against God's will. You know, it's being used of God. So here we have these men that are seeking to do evil to Ricky maybe. Like Joseph. He was able to say, you meant it for evil. God allowed it to happen. They wanted to do this evil, and God allowed it to happen. And like Joseph, Ricky could say, well, God allowed that to happen. They meant it for evil, but this I know, this I know, God meant it for good. In the end, we'll be able to say that like Joseph. God meant it for good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. If God allows it to happen, just a tool in the hand of God. Though those men think they are doing their will, though the devil thinks he's doing his will and he's getting something over on God and getting by with something, we know, of course, he's not. So these are the things that we think about when we, when we think about what Paul is saying here when he says, the will of the Lord be done. And I'm not going to get into some of the, the different ways that we could look at God's will. I really just want to focus on what we're talking about when Paul says here that the will of the Lord be done. This is the thing that propels and compels Paul. And this is the thing that propels and compels us to do what we do. As we desire to do the Lord's will. Whatever that may be, wherever it may be found, whatever it cost, in the end, that this was Paul's mind frame. You know, I know those others were telling him, that those at Ephesus, and those others that he came into contact with, the closer that he got to Jerusalem, it seemed like the more it happened to him, that there were those who were telling him, don't go, don't go, don't go. And I'm not going to say that that shouldn't be without some weight. I mean, when we find people trying to counsel us, trying to find people like the Ephesian elders, trying to find other people in different places, and it seems he keeps running into this over and over again. It could be one of two things. One, it could be we're not thinking about this the way that we should. Here we've, we feel like this is the Lord's will for me, and we keep finding people telling us, I don't think so. I don't think you should do that. So maybe, maybe, it, maybe we haven't thought about it, haven't prayed about it like we ought to. Maybe we need to back up and pray about it some more. Consider this some more before we go and do what we, what we had decided to do, but we keep finding people telling us, I don't think that's a good idea. We really need to stop. We really need to pray and really think about it. I mean, if God's purpose that it be done, it's going to be done. And it's going to be done exactly at the time and exactly at the place, exactly at the moment that it should be. Even with us backing up and saying, well having these people tell me that I shouldn't do this, maybe I, should, maybe I should think about this. The other thing that it could be is like Peter. 
You remember when the Lord started to disclose the disciples that He was going to die? Their minds and their understanding and their learning that they had was that the Messiah would come, that He would set up and establish a kingdom upon this earth, and that He would rule the nation of Israel, rule and reign over all the other countries. And so when He said that He was going to die, first thing come out of Peter's mouth was not so. But what did the Lord say to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. So that's the other thing that it could be, right? I mean, we could be mistaken about what we're doing, and we shouldn't be doing that. Or it could be Satan over here stirring up others and feelings and emotions in others because they didn't want there to come a time when they would see Paul's face no more. And there are men that we know. There, there are preachers that we know that we have come here. And we would hate to think that we'd never see them again. And if there was something wrong with them and we had an answer to correct their problem, we would want to try to offer them that information or help them in any way so that whatever it is that may be about to happen to them wouldn't happen to them to where that we wouldn't see their faces anymore or wouldn't profit from their ministry anymore. And that's natural for us to feel that way. But that may not be what God's will is. God's will may be, regardless of what's done, regardless of the chemotherapy treatments, regardless of all that the doctor's doing, regardless of all the knowledge and all the specialists and all the things that are happening, it may not be the Lord's will that that person lives. It may be the Lord's will that that person dies. And it doesn't matter what is done, nothing's going to stop that. Nothing's going to prolong it. Though we may feel if we do this, we can prolong that life just a little bit longer. We can keep them for just a little bit longer. We can improve the quality of life just a little bit longer. It's not so if it's the Lord's will going to take place. It's going to happen. I remember that's one of the questions, J.D., that I think I've told you all this before, but that was one of the questions that uh, that uh, those men from Rusk, when they came, well, there was a woman too, uh, when they came uh, asking whether I'd you know go there and preach, and they wanted to talk to me, they asked me, they said, well, you know, if, if here you have a woman in the hospital, and, and uh, her husband's dying, and, and people are praying, and and uh, that the Lord would heal him, and she feels like that the Lord's, you know, that's what's going to happen, and he dies, what do you say? Well, wasn't the Lord's will that he lived. So this is the thing that Paul's dealing with here, with these people that are speaking to him and saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. Which is it? Am, am I not thinking about this the way that I ought to, or is this the devil trying to hinder me from doing the thing that God would have me to do? Now, this isn't going to happen. The devil may cause us frustration. The devil may cause us confusion. But if this is the thing the Lord would have us to do, he's not going to be able to prevail against us. We're going to resist him, and he's going to flee from us. We're going to be able to tell him, get thee behind me, Satan. And we're going to be able to pray and ask the Lord, give me grace, because there are great fears that have come upon me because of this thing that's about to happen to me. So this is the thing that we're dealing with when Paul says, the Lord's will or the will of the Lord be done. I'm skipping over some things here. Bear with me. Um, Al talked to us about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What they say. You know, Nebuchadnezzar saying, who's going to deliver you from my hand? Well, if the Lord will, he, He'll deliver us. I mean, how did those men... Those men had no idea the Lord was going to cause them not to be hurt by the flame. 
or to be touched by the fire, or even have smoke upon their garments and be able to walk around in the furnace heated seven times hotter than it was ever heated before and slew the men that threw them in. But they knew this, the Lord's will will be done. Regardless, Nebuchadnezzar, what your will is, regardless of what our will is, though we want to do what God, what would please God and honor God, and we know, and this is the thing about the Lord's will, if you want to get into another area of it here, which is certainly not disconnected from what we're talking about, they knew this, we can't bow down to that idol. We know that's God's will. We know we're not supposed to serve that. We know we're not going to bow down before that thing that you've created. We know that we are to serve and honor and worship the Lord God himself and him alone and nothing else. So we can't do that. Regardless of what you think you're going to do to us, we can't do that. You just got to do whatever you've got to do. We're going to honor God. So we know there are certain things that are written to us in God's word, certain things that God has said unto us that we know we must do. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we cannot bow down and serve that idol. We must serve God. Whatever happened to us as a result of that is in the Lord's hands. The Lord's will be done. That's essentially what they were saying, you know, to, to um, Nebuchadnezzar. You know, Daniel later in the lion's den. You know, he was able to tell the king, don't worry. Don't worry about me. The Lord's able to keep me. He didn't know the Lord was going to shut the mouths of those lions. He didn't know what you know, was going to happen. But he knew this. He knew that the Lord was able. And he knew whether those lions tore him to pieces or not, he was going to bow down and pray to God. Whether he was caught by men or not, he'd open his windows, let people look in and see him pray. He must serve the Lord. One passage I wanted to read to you in regards to the evil that men do, I, say, I think certainly is the, the, um, the greatest passage that we could think of in this regard. And really the, that psalm that I mentioned earlier is quoted here in Acts 4, 26-28. It says, The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined beforehand to be done. Again, Joseph said, you determined it for evil, but God meant it for good. So they're not going to be able to do except what God would allow them to do. God's purpose will be done. God allows Satan or God allows man to do evil to Job, to do evil to Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, you, me. It'll be for our good. His will will be done. Question for all of us here is, which will do you desire to be done? You know, where are we today with the things that we're facing, with, with the things that are before you, with the things that you're praying about? How are you thinking about that thing? How are you facing that thing? As you consider the things that are happening to you right now, happening in your life, things that, are, that you're struggling with, how are you thinking about that? You have a will. You know what you want in certain things. 
that we don't know what the outcome is going to be, that we don't know in the end what God is going to do. You know, Paul had come to all these cities and all these things were being told him about that he's going to be bound. He's going to be, you know, imprisoned, killed. That his face would be seen no more by the churches that he loved. Which will do you will to be done? Because we have, we have things in our minds that we think the best way that we could think about them is this would work out the best way. This would glorify God the most. But we still don't know what it is that God would have happened. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We look at a situation, we analyze it, we reason it through, and we say, okay, this is what I should do. But that may not be the thing that God would have us to do. So we have, we have our own understanding. We have our own, our own will, our own affections and emotions about things. And sometimes those things enter in wrongly, certainly like the Ephesian elders and like the others who approached Paul and said, don't go. You know, they weren't in the right in saying, don't go. Their emotions being stirred about not seeing him anymore. But which will do you will to be done? I mean, what if there's something that you're facing right now that you really want to overcome? that you really want to conquer. But the Lord's not going to allow you to do that at this particular time. I don't know why. He's going to allow you to struggle with it a little longer, maybe because you need to come to a complete and utter end of thinking that you can handle things on your own and that you can overcome on your own strength and need to be brought to a place where you are just laid down in the dust before God and say, Thy will be done. Whatever it is. I am your humble servant. I, I desire, Lord, whatever your will is in this situation to be done. Maybe you'd like to be rid of somebody that's a real thorn in your side. But maybe the Lord's saying, no, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. You need to, like Paul, glory in your infirmity. You know, we have what we would like to happen. But that may not be what God would have to be done. Certainly, I think when we think about these things, there's a couple other things that I want to cover. One is when the disciples ask the Lord to teach them to pray. I mean, this is the thing that ought to be on our thoughts, on our minds, our hearts, in our prayers on a daily basis. The Lord said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, whatever it is. Whatever your will is for me today, Lord, let it be done. Thy will be done. His will is going to be done. But we need to be in that place where we can say, Thy will be done. We don't need to be in the place where we're saying, Paul, don't go. We need to be where Paul is. We need to be saying, Lord, whatever your will is, let it be done. We need to be able to pray about it and say, Lord, if you want me to play the piano even though I don't think I can play very well, give me the grace to be able to play it. If you'd have me to play. Thy will be done. What our Lord pray in the garden. Did he, have, did he have 
a desire in that thing. Certainly he wanted to do God's will. But he, he, in his flesh, faced with the same thing that we're faced with. Suffer the same thing that we suffer. What is that? I shrink back from pain. I shrink back from death. I shrink back from you know, any kind of um, problem or circumstance that's going to cause me discomfort. You know, I shrink back from those things. And our Lord Himself said, if there, if there is any way possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And that's the place where we have to be every day. Not my will, but thine be done. We can be really frustrated if we're not in that place. We can be really confused if we're not in that place. We can be really troubled and vexed if we're, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> if we're not in that place. Our will must be subject to His will in all things regardless of what it may cost us. What's it going to cost you to do the will of God? It may cost you everything. You may lose everything. But if that's what the Lord's will is, let it be done. Let it be done. In the end, I'm only going to be better for it, even if I lose everything. What are these things here? What is even my life? I'm going to be better off in the end for having laid it down, laid it aside. We need to be like the Lord for the joy that was set before Him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. We were talking about that, weren't we, John? For the joy that was set before Him. We need to, ha- we need to be there. That joy. It needs to be set before us continually of honoring the Lord to do His will not to resist it not to allow the flesh to draw back His will be done when we're in the less than desirable place less than desirable circumstances uncomfortable Thy will be done. Even if it caused me pain, even if it caused me loss, even if it caused me suffering, Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come upon me and Thy will be done in my life at whatever the cost. Things are going to happen unto us that we wouldn't choose for ourselves. We're going to find ourselves in the middle of situations that we just would rather not be in. But we need to be able to be, Lord, here I am today. I didn't know this was going to happen, but it's like I've already told you this morning before I ever even got out of bed or before I got dressed and left the house this morning. Thy will be done. You know what my heart's desire is in this situation. You know that I'd rather my wife live and not die. But nevertheless, whatever thy will is, let it be done. Our flesh will shrink back from it. We need to ask God for grace 
to sustain us. We know His grace is sufficient. He told Paul as much. Do we know what we should do? If we don't, we need to pray and ask that the Lord's will be done. I'd like to have this, but it may not be your will for me to have it. I'd like to do that, but it may not be your will for me to do it. You know. Lord, you know what my, my desire is. But overriding above and beyond all of that, thy will be done. Even if I'm disappointed, thy will be done. Even if I suffer loss, thy will be done. Paul was resigned to do the Lord's will, whatever the cost. In great sorrow, he tore himself from his Ephesian companions. Agabus comes and tells him in verses 10 and 11 that he's going to be bound, that afflictions await him. We're going to be tested. You who desire to do, this was Paul's desire. Thy will be done. You who desire to do God's will may be tested. Satan may desire to sift you as wheat. Paul was being told everywhere he went, don't go, don't go, don't go. Bonds and affliction await you, Paul. But it says in verse 14, he would not be persuaded. We don't need to be persuaded or dissuaded by anything that would keep us from doing the Lord's will. Those people that were trying to persuade Paul not to go meant well. Sorry. Being on the outside. Look at it from that perspective for just a moment. Being on the outside of Paul's situation. And what awaits Paul. We need to desire the Lord's will too. Hey, this isn't happening to me. It's happening to somebody else. We need to be able to say, Of them thy will be done. We need to be able to agree with them and side with them. And not try to persuade them not to go and do that thing. We ought to be careful, you know, what we say. We shouldn't try to persuade people not to do something if we don't know that this is the thing that the Lord will have them to do. We need to be careful. When we could hinder somebody and cause them pain and grief, though God's will is not going to be stopped or, or, or hindered itself, we may cause them, we may be to them a stumbling block. I don't want to be to somebody a stumbling block. I mean, if they've reached a place where, where they have decided this is what God would have me to do, and maybe, maybe they really esteem my opinion. Maybe I have a place in their life you know, that they look to and they've received counsel from before. I need to be careful what I say. Here's an entire assembly of Christians. Can you imagine being in the place that Paul was? Here is everywhere he goes, the whole church, however big the church is, 
I mean, it would be difficult for me to make a decision if every one of you were saying, don't do it. Here, I feel like the Lord wants me to do it, but you're all saying, don't, no, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. It'd be hard to make that decision, wouldn't it? It'd be very difficult. But be careful. I mean, here were enlightened men. Here were the elders at Ephesus. People who had labored faithfully with Paul. People maybe even like Luke as he writes these words here. Maybe he was trying to dissuade Paul even from going. He's writing this letter. Maybe Timothy. The the tender young man that he's bringing up in the ministry. Don't leave me. Don't go. I, I need you too much. You can't. Don't do that. We're talking about genuine Christians here. No wonder he says, what, what mean you to, to cause me to say these things and, and cause me to and, and weep over these things and, and break my heart? There was a part of him because of what they were saying that was saying to him, you don't need to do this. These people need you too much. And he wasn't thinking clearly and saying, well, that doesn't matter. This is the Lord's will. He's going to provide for their needs. If, if the Lord takes me out of this world, He's going to provide somebody, He's going to raise somebody else up. Nothing's too hard for God. I'm not going anywhere, by the way, if that's anybody's thinking that. <laughs> not that I know of. <coughs> anyway. Um, but still, even even with the tears, even with the weeping, even with the sobbing, even with his friends telling him not to go, it does not change his purpose. He is resolute to suffer whatever it is, imprisonment, even death for the sake of our Lord. Unaltered. He speaks to them. Here even in this, that we saw like in chapter 20. He said, I've been an example to you in all things. When he says what he says here, he's being the last example that he can be to them. I'm trying to teach him just this, this last thing. It's this. Calmly, he says to them, the will of the Lord be done. God's will be done in this matter. Not my will, not your will, not the devil's will, not the Jew's will, but the Lord's will. I know I must go. The Lord has sent me to go to this place. Don't, don't weep and break my heart. Don't, don't try to cause me not to do what the Lord would have me to do. The Lord's will be done.